Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today we're going to talk USC football with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. Apologize for not doing a show on Monday. Uh, Still doing a bathroom remodel. We started the demolition of our master bathroom yesterday, so it kind of took up my time all day. Uh, but we're doing it again on Tuesday. We should do a couple more shows this week, too. I think I want to have Dan Weber come on again. A lot of questions for him, and we have a bunch of recruiting questions, too. So we'll try to get Gerard Martinez in. Maybe a special guest. Who knows? We'll try to work it out this week. See what we can do. If you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you can call us at 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail, 424-254-9141, or you can text us at that number, too. So a bunch of different ways to get a hold of us. We're on iTunes. Uh, we have our own URL, iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. We're on Stitcher Radio and Audio Boom and TuneIn Radio and lots of different ways to consume the show. Hope you guys can check it out. However you do, if you're running or listening in the car or at your desk, whatever you're doing, we do appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to our little show. So let's uh, bring in the coach. What is going on, coach? How you doing? Well, another great day. Uh, every day is game day, and uh, again, Ryan, it's great to be with you, and I know uh, all of our Trojan football fans out there are eager to find out what you know or what I might comment on, so why don't we get started? Let's get started with a coach, and want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. If you need tickets for anything around Southern California or across the country, go to sctickets.com. You can give them a call at 1-800-888-7287, and they will take care of you. Uh, coach, I know you've done some stuff with SC tickets recently and you like theater stuff. What have you been doing? Well, this Saturday I am going to you two over at the Rose Bowl. Oh yes. You uh, okay. Now you forgot. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm getting all geared up. Uh, got to run down the Long Beach for a birthday party during the morning and afternoon, then straight to the Rose Bowl and, uh, taking you two. So, uh, I use Southern California ticket service. I know you do too. And we want to suggest all of our, Listeners out there, it's not a bad opportunity for you to get the special events, too. Just give them a call. Yeah, check them out at sctickets.com. And uh, we got some questions, Coach, from uh, the fans out there, and I wanted to answer those to let people know kind of where we are right now in the schedule of things. So uh, graduation just happened. So finals are over. Uh, graduation is going on. The freshmen are starting to report, uh, like a Levi Jones, a linebacker, uh, he showed up on campus over the weekend, uh, or on Monday. So it's starting to, uh, the, the freshmen will start to trickle in as they graduate high school and they'll eventually get out and start doing their conditioning workouts and, uh, summer workout program. So we're going to check all that stuff out. You know, probably the next couple of weeks, I would think, uh, things get started. Um, usually kind of late May. They'll, they'll take a little bit of time off and we'll be out there covering all those as they, as they happen and then, Countdown to fall camp. Uh, you know, the, the media days, I believe Pac-12 media days are July 25th or 26th or 26th or 27th. Uh, something like that. And then we don't know the full fall camp schedule yet, but it's probably going to start, 
I'm guessing late July, coach, because of the new rule about, uh, no, two a days anymore. So, um, towards the you know, end of July, things should really start popping. Well, things will get going. It never really ends in college football. It's a year round sport now. And if you're not recruiting, you're coaching or doing summer camps. And I know the coaches are going to be doing a lot of summer camps and, and try to, uh, also during that period of time, evaluate talent from all over the country to get ready for next year's recruiting class. And then again, on the other hand, uh, student athletes who now are going to be graduating from high school are now going to be coming in and uh, learning the new techniques and being a part of uh, what everybody hopes will be a great Trojan season. Should be. And, uh, yeah, the, the camps, the, there's been some rule changes with summer camps. Um, so USC used to do like a lineman camp and a skills camp and a couple of days of rising stars. They're actually just going to do two different rising stars camps now. Uh, I think it's June 11th and June 25th. And there'll be some guest coaches from other universities come out, like Jim Harbaugh is supposed to come out from Michigan. So there'll be some interesting stuff going on. It's just changed a little bit. The rules have changed. Um, you know, they, they want to try to maximize the time. I think they get 10 days of camp like evaluation stuff over the, the summer, spring and summer. So I think they have to try to just maximize that and send as many coaches out on those days as possible. So, it, you know, it changes things up a little bit. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's a year round, uh, sport. A lot of recruiting stuff will be going on. Like you said, with the high school camps, I was just at, um, an event down at Los Alamitos high school, a big passing tournament. I'm going to go this weekend to Oakland for the, uh, the opening, which is like the Nike camps, uh, regional up in Oakland. So I'll be up there with Gerard checking that stuff out. We had three people at that. So a lot of film, we'll have a lot of film coming up from all these recruits that we saw over the weekend. So a lot of recruiting stuff kind of now, but the, the thing I like coaches when they mix in the team stuff too, when the, and I know you're not a huge fan of the throwing sessions, but it's kind of fun to go out there and see the players. I especially like when the freshmen come and you get to see them for the first time, you know, compare comparative wise, they're in shorts and t-shirts, but you can kind of look at, uh, Cameron Smith and you look at Levi Jones, you kind of see you know, who's bigger or who's taller and things like that. So I kind of like for me covering the team, the summer is usually my favorite part. Um, just because I get to see the new freshman come in and it's a little more, you know, it's a little more laid back and relaxed than when the coaches are actually out there in the spring and the fall. Well, you know, I agree with you. I think it's really interesting to see how a young man matures between his senior year of high school football and then steps on the field and sees what real speed is, what real size is, and see how that young man adjusts to that. And it's great to see them compete against uh, players who are older and more mature, and you find out just how mature they are and if they want to step to the front of the line, or do they just step back and watch? So I like that. I think that's, uh I see why you uh, are attracted to that type of workout. It's just that I can't get out there during the summers, uh, but you can. And, uh, but I'll, you know, since you suggest that like that, maybe one day you'll let me know when you're going to be there and they're going to be working out later on in the summer. And maybe I'd like to come out and compare at that time uh, a couple of the kids. I know they didn't do that much. Fall camp is where you really see the difference when they're in their equipment, but uh, maybe one day we'll do it together, Ryan. That would be good, coach. Uh, check it out. We didn't really get to see any of the, they usually call them the winter workouts, the player run practices. Um, you know, it, it, it changes. They're not doing as many organized ones and, uh, as many with everyone out there. They're kind of more last minute or whenever people can be there. We'll see that the summer, they're usually a little bit more organized. And, uh, after some of their team run activities, some of their, 
um, conditioning activity. So we'll check that out. And uh, yeah, I'll let you know, coach, and we'd love to see you down there. Um, thank you. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's, let's jump into the questions. We have, uh, Tarek wrote in. Do you see Clay Helton's idea of training offensive linemen at different positions potentially problematic since there is a decent possibility uh, they will be decent at several spots but not excellent at any particular spot? What do you think, Coach? That's from Tarek. Well, I, I think during the period of evaluating talent, it doesn't hurt at all, especially in the uh, spring and early part of the fall camp. But you always want to make sure as far as you have your best five offensive linemen on the field, and they're suited in the right position. Like, I always felt that Bannon was a left tackle, but they played him at right tackle. But I th- I, to me, he looked more comfortable when he played a left tackle. And one time I sort of spoke with his dad, and his dad said he did too. But you've got to move people around, and you've got to see who really performs better in the left-handed stance or the right-handed stance and who pulls better to the right or to the left who steps back and who can pass block better at one position or the other. Uh, are you too uh, big to play a guard or, or a center and these different type of things? And I think you've got to move them around. But once you find out, and it shouldn't take you a long period of time to evaluate talent on who plays where, then you want it to be a unit. Because remember the offensive line, the only time they get their name called is when they have a penalty. Number 75, holding. Number 76, the legal procedure. So they've got to perform as a unit, and they've got to be able to talk, communicate, recognize defenses. So then you don't want to move them around too much, but then it gets a little complicated, and from the strong side to the weak side or whatever you want to call it, away from the tight end and towards the tight end, you see different looks. So you see different alignments depending on what side you play on. And there's different plays going to either side. So you don't want too much for these offensive linemen to absorb and have to recognize you want them to be able to play. Yeah, I think it's good for the evaluation period, but you you got to get it settled. And uh, I don't know. Do you think it's a bad thing, Coach, that there's there's some versatility there and there's some options, but they need to kind of funnel that in and, and, and get it to the right place sooner rather than later? What do you think? No, I, I think that it's good to – to, to test it out a little bit and see just who looks good at what position. But when you have three returners, uh, two two guards that could start, and you have a center that's played all that time, basically you know who's the players and who's not and what position they should be at. I wouldn't move those guys around because you move them around, and then really you take away the skills that, that they what they already have as far as at that position, like moving forward to tackle as they discussed. No. That's not that's not even a thought. This yeah. guy's got all the experience <laughs> as far as being a center, so let's forget that. And they did forget that. But as far as finding out the tackle position on who should be where and Chuma, should he be on the left side or the right side, and making sure you get experienced tackles in there and guys at the right position, whether they're guards or tackles as far as backups, I think that's so important that you figure that out earlier. But the more reps you get at the position you're going to play, the better you're going to be at it. So I think you've got to decide who's the tackles, who the guard is, who's the center is going to be. And, you know, you hate to take a guy, don't get me wrong, and, and move him from your starting guard position to center and then bring a guard in because now you're, you've changed two positions. You'd rather have a good backup center who can come in and leave everything the same and let that backup center be the number one center. That's the way I look at it because why change two positions when you don't have to? 
So I think it's very, very important that uh, you evaluate correctly. You get your five guys. You you keep them in that type of position. You don't try to move them around unless you have to. But I think you're a better football player when you don't have to think as much. You just play. I agree with that, Coach. All right, let's move on. Eric in Duck Country has a question. He said, I was re-watching the 2016 games because what else do you do in the offseason? Uh, that's a good strategy, Eric. Uh, go back to your DVR and check out some of those games. I noticed that on option plays, there were multiple times that the running back would get caught from behind. Do you think Sam truly had the freedom to run the ball, or were these designed run plays that had an option look? Uh, thanks, as always, Eric in Duck Country. Well, I think that uh, in Sam Darnold's situation, I don't think that they encouraged him to run the football. Which I mean by that, uh, they would rather encourage him to hand the ball off. I don't think they had a true read type of uh, offense. Now, I'm just guessing. I'm not in staff meetings. I'm not on the field. Uh, but I don't see them discussing that as much as far as what the shoulders are and what, and who, she, who, who you're reading and so on. Uh, I didn't see Sam run the ball as often as what most quarterbacks would run with this offense. And I don't blame them. But he certainly has the ability to do that, but you don't want him to get hurt. By the end, the more you do that and you allow him to do the read properly, the, the better offensive football team you are. Because Sam Darnold can run the football. The only difference is he likes to deliver the ball, blow, rather than take the blow. And then he did learn how to slide there towards the end of the season. But no, I would say that basically with USC, they encourage running the ball as far as getting caught from behind Basically, if you're getting caught from behind, it's because you've blown a gap and the offensive lineman has uh, uh, not cut off the penetration or there's been a pinch on the backside by the defensive end that's unblocked coming down and he's been able to secure the tackle from behind. But normally you should not have penetration on the offensive line because penetration is stopping you before you get started. And that's the worst thing that can happen to an offense. Yeah, and no, and it's not like these aren't like option like you know running the veer. You know he's not going outside and and deciding where the pitch or not. These are the the run pass options. And uh, I you know, I don't know if you noticed this, coach, but it seems like a lot of times, either way, uh, if he handed the ball off, if there was some kind of breakdown in the offensive line, you see the running back getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. But also if he if he kept it and decided to throw, a lot of times when he would make a play, there's still an offense, there's still a defensive lineman coming at him or a linebacker. And then he would scramble himself outside the pocket and, and find somebody downfield, which obviously was one of his strengths uh, last year. I agree with you. A lot of those were not called. He just broke uh, broke the uh, the rush or whatever might have happened. There was a breakdown, and he would get outside, and he would scan the field. And you can't cover forever when you have great receivers. And when you have a quarterback like Sam Darnold, he, he finds his receivers. And he would rather throw the ball not to one receiver. He looks at everybody. And he it's impossible to cover everybody. Somewhere in the secondary, you can have a breakdown. And if everybody is covered, he's smart enough to tuck the ball down and run for it. And he's fast enough, and he's mobile enough, and he's tough enough to get the necessary yards. And when you have a quarterback that can do that, it's even tougher on the secondary and the defense as far as covering and then him having the ability to run for the, the necessary yards to get the, the six moves. So... That's why he's uh, so good at what he does. He's, he's smart. 
He understands the offense. He scans the field. He doesn't have a favorite receiver. And uh, he's able to uh, break the uh, rush and get out of the pocket and still be a very dangerous type of quarterback. And, and that's why he's so successful. Let's go to uh, Leland. He wrote in, he said, uh, John McKay said, it's not about the X's and O's, but the Jimmy's and Joe's. There are a lot of questions about Clay Helton and his ability as a coach versus Sam Darnold and his ability as a quarterback. People seem to think that a talented player can make a coach better. How about the idea of talent management? We have, we've had, we've had some great players and quarterbacks in the last few years who possibly didn't live up to their potential or got close, but not quite. This is likely due to the head coach. Uh, those head coaches were more involved with the X's and O's and not developing talent. My point here is we need to give him credit for utilizing the talent he has and develop it and developing it instead of being focused on game strategies. Personally, I think he has done a great job uh, of that with Sam Darnold. Personally, I believe Coach Helton did a great job of coaching uh, the players and talent that he had on the roster. Let his coordinators do what they need to do. This is a far cry from the Lane Kiffin years and the Sark year and a half. Can Coach Harvey Hyde talk about this and tell me if I'm wrong? Uh, Leland wrote that in. No, I don't think you're wrong. I think it's very important to utilize your personnel and put them into an offensive scheme that they're capable of doing. And uh, I think uh, a lot of the past staffs were basically saying, this is what we run, do what we tell you to do, and uh, and that's the way it is. And I think that that's just part of experience as far as growing up and not understanding that as a football coach, you're only as good as your players. I and mean, you hear coaches say that all the time, but that's the absolute truth. Now, if you don't take advantage of their talent and put them in a position where they can win, then that's your fault. It's called coaching. It's called teaching. It's the same thing with every position, not just your quarterback. It's with your receivers. And we talked about the offensive line a minute ago. It's putting them in a place and running an offense and doing the type of things that, that – uh, that make them successful, like the offenses that they've run. The, the past quarterbacks, they weren't running quarterbacks. Uh, defenses didn't fear uh, uh, the quarterbacks uh, running the football. A dark lady, he didn't go run the football. They didn't even care if he did run the football to the outside because he couldn't beat you on the run. So you still covered, cover what you got to do and, uh, and the other quarterbacks. So I always said that I didn't feel that they're running the proper offense to fit their personnel. Now they finally have fought, found a quarterback that fits what they're doing, and they're taking advantage of what they're doing. And if you look to the future, they're now recruiting more talented type of skill type of quarterbacks that have the ability to run and do what they want done with this offense. And by doing that, you become a smarter coach because you're now putting your uh, players in a position where they can perform your desires and and i think that's what clay helton has been able to do and i think the breakthrough of course is with sam darnold because he can do that he can do all the things that you that you expect to be done with this offense as far as the bootleg in the past when they ran the bootleg you know nobody cared about the bootleg run they all cared about just stopping the drag and stopping the out and stopping the corner route and if you wanted to run the but the biggest damage that a quarterback could have done would make three or four yards. But now Sam Darnold can tuck it under, and he can really run the football and, and do a lot of different things. So, you know, you've got to design an offense that takes advantage of your personnel. 
that makes you have a better quarterback. Your quarterback is available uh, to do what you ask him to do. And I think now, last year especially, I'm not talking about every year, but last year especially, towards the second half of the season, USC started take, to take it, started to take advantage of their players, their personnel to fit their offense. And also on defense, they did the same thing on defense. They weren't a hit and right read type of defense. They weren't a physical type of defense. So they so they went to speed. They went to speed and attacking. And you've heard me talking about attacking and having fun on defense and fly to the football and have fun. And they started to play that type of defense. And that's what you have to do. You have to put your players in a position that they can win at and have fun at playing. All right, Coach. Um, you know, the last week or so we talked a lot about the coliseum we still have a couple questions kind of on that so let me um i'll read you these last couple uh jjb said best bod best excuse me best podcast in the business i love it thanks jjb he said pat hayden made a ton of bad decisions as athletic director i heard very few people defending him and a lot of people complaining about him and many demanding his removal such as ricky ellison uh former usc great he said, yet his job never seemed to be in danger. He retired for health reasons, and I never got the impression that he was forced out. Despite all the complaints, he still retired as the highest paid athletic director in the country. Uh, now they have this Coliseum plan that seems to be totally idiotic. Again, we have everyone complaining about it and very few, if any, defending it. Yet the people in charge seem to be saying it's our way or the highway, and if you don't like it, you can you can lump it. My question is, the people who are in charge at SC... Do they have a job where they can be fired? Uh, they seem almost cocky as if everyone else's opinion is irrelevant. They seem to be saying, we don't care what anyone else thinks. Uh, that's from JJB. Well, JJB, uh, since you bring up this topic, I'll uh, more or less put this out. I don't know if how many, be, how many people saw this today, but they had uh, salaries of uh, the athlete department on how much, uh, I think it was in the Times today. Uh, how much Lane Kiffin made and how much uh, Steve Sarkeesian made and how much Pat Hayden made and how Pat Hayden got a, a million-dollar bonus, the highest bonus in the, at the university except for the president, all these type of things. I don't know why you get bonuses when you're getting paid $2.3 million. Like Jim Delaney's getting a bonus of $20 million as far as being the commissioner of the Big Ten, and he already makes $2.3 million a year. What are you talking about? I mean, it's getting a little bit ridiculous. Bonuses for the job you're doing? I mean, this is, I guess, a business. Uh, I don't know. It, it, I've always said it's a business now. There's no more amateur athletics. But I, I agree with what you're saying because uh, there seems to be a concern. Now, let's get away from uh, football for a moment. But I know a lot of very successful USC alumni, okay, that give big dollars to the university not only to the university as far as to the athletic department, but other areas. And uh, they get now, uh, they have their grandchildren who want to go to college now at USC and so on, where they're being asked to give a million dollars or buy a suite or buy these preferred seating tickets or whatever. And, you know, they're buying them. They're doing this. But yet when they ask for a little help as far as getting a 4.0 grandchild in the college they're being denied they're not getting into college now 
And their comment is, I thought USC is a family. Now, not that it isn't, but the old, uh, I don't want to say way of uh, being a part of the university through generations and so on, that's sort of coming to an end. And uh, they're being suggested to go to community college or go to another four-year school and get your grades there. And then after your first year, after your first semester, then reapply and we'll see if we can get you in. So I think it's a combination of always being asked for something as far as money, always uh, the price increases, never being asked about as far as being a part of certain things. And then when it's time to give back as far as, uh, okay, I've done this, can I? Can you do me a favor? I don't see that happening any longer at the university. Now, I might be wrong, but for the people I talk to, this seems to be a pattern. And I don't know, Ryan, if you hear that pattern or see that pattern or our listeners out there hear this from uh, other people that they know, or maybe you are one that had your daughter or son or granddaughter or somebody applying, they're being rejected. Yet the continued asking never continues from the renovation to new this to that to all the different things. And I think there's got to be a, a place where you don't think that it's something you automatically ask for and you're supposed to do. I think it's a two-way street as far as First of all, taking care of your alumni, making sure that you stay close with your alumni, appreciate whatever gift it might be, not just the big gifts, but all the gifts, and make it more of a family type of atmosphere that USC has always been. So this is the changes there, along with the Coliseum now, as you mentioned, the seating there and taking away seats, and the attitude that I hear from a lot of people that, hey, you know, they just take my seats away, and if I can't afford those seats, uh, that's just too bad. You're going to be reseated. I think that's the wrong way of going about it. Uh, I don't think money's a problem in the athletic department. It is because the athletic department has to generate, and I don't know how many people know this, that the university gives the athletic department absolutely no money. Zero. They have to raise all the money and generate all the money for all the scholarships, all the salaries, everything, through their gate, through their television revenue, through fundraising, through everything. And any dollars that's left over in the budget, and if I'm not correct, someone call and tell me, that money goes back to the general fund of the university. So the athletic department does it all. They're a separate identity, and yet, they should receive more back from the people that make this happen from the university than they're really getting. And I think this is where a lot of the complaining is coming from. I think you're right, Coach. Um, it's, uh, and it, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get better. Um, there's going to be more complaints and more, you know, people don't even know where their seats are going to be. Um, and they're already not happy once they figure out, oh, wow, my seat's going from here to here. Like then it's, it's probably only going to get worse. So, um, yeah, we, we, we sympathize. We've tried to cover this as much as possible. Um, and we, we have one more question on it too. So we'll, we'll read that for you. But yeah, we feel bad. Go ahead. People that Go are, ahead. Uh, good. Go ahead. Okay. Um, here's a thought. Everyone is complaining about the stadium renovations with the Coliseum losing seats and seat relocation. I get that I don't want to lose my seats either, 
but did anyone take into account the new Star Wars museum being built on prime tailgating real estate? Maybe they're thinking it could be, uh, where are all these people going to park? Uh, I've had season tickets for the past six years and love game days because of the tailgating and the family atmosphere. I just keep thinking tailgating is going to be a nightmare when the museum construction begins and how high are the prices going to be at these parking lots outside the Coliseum? I know people usually park there and walk over to the Coliseum tailgates. Fight on, go Trojans, pop 3535 from Paramount, California. Well, I agree with that. You know, the real estate at uh, USC is so valuable that they're trying to take advantage of all the real estate. And again, you know, the tailgating areas are something that are part of tradition. And it's part of, uh, part of what you might call a fringe benefit for the donors and for people who are able to park in those areas. And there should be some concern as far as for these people on how they tailgate and where they tailgate. And there's certain part, parking lots that have gates on them that if you don't give a million dollars a year, you don't park in that area. You move back. You move back and you move back. So it all comes back to what you might call uh, how much do you donate, how much do you pay, and that's where you get your parking, which in most situations that's where it is anyway. It always is. But what about the poor fan? The poor fan and not poor fan, believe me. I don't think there's too many poor people that attend USC games because of the price of the tickets. <laughs> and going to USC really is, is something that is not uh, something I should call poor. But I think there's such a thing as gouging uh, because the people in the neighborhood know that uh, there's not available parking. So, avail- so what they do is just raise their prices too. And how many times in the neighborhood do you pull in a parking lot and park there and when you get there to take your car out, there's three cars behind you, and you can't get out. Or even in lots where we park, Ryan, and a lot of times when I go in, I say, I'm leaving early. I've got something i got to be at. Please don't park somebody close to my back. And when I get to the parking lot and I try to back out, there's somebody six feet behind me and somebody parked in front of me where it's almost impossible for me to get out because they're trying to get more cars in that parking lot. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I've seen you park next to me. Maybe you don't leave, and by the time you get there, everybody's gone because you're trying to cramp more in and get more dollars worth uh, the property, which is the way it's supposed to be. But not to a point where you forget uh, your loyal base fan people, the people that help make USC who they are, the people that wear the jerseys, the hats, the people that attend the game, Hey, they want to be part of the university. They deserve to be part of the university. Maybe they're not all large donors, huge donors, but they're what makes USC part of who they are. Maybe a lot of these people haven't even attended USC, but they're USC Trojan football fans. And I think they should be courted to. I think they should be taken care of and, and at least thought of as far as uh, how they get there. I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and don't get me wrong, I'm not just bashing USC. I, I'm just telling you the truth. It's probably the worst traffic control event I ever go to as far as the way the traffic is in and the way the traffic is directed out. Now, you might not agree with me. Maybe you all get in smoothly and you get out. I get to a corner and there's not anybody even there directing traffic off the freeway, across the streets, down Martin Luther King, anything. It's it just all backed up. It's its absolutely, you wonder, who is in charge here? <laughs> what is going on? And I know they have meetings and meetings and meetings to make the traffic 
flow better. And I always might think I have a better way, and maybe I don't have a better way. But I don't know if the rest of the people experience the same type of thing. And you, you pull up and you show your pass, and someone says, oh, yeah, this is not where you go. And I say, yeah, this is really where I go. This is where I'm supposed to park. <laughs> Finally, she calls the supervisor over, and he says, yeah, this is the right place. And by the time we've had this discussion, everybody behind me is blowing the horn. And I'm right. So I think it's I think it's you know these are the things that annoy people not being treated and thought of as far as moving their seats and doing the different things and again the Coliseum to me with the design of what they're doing is not going to look like the Coliseum any longer to me it's a design I don't think I've seen anywhere maybe you've seen it somewhere Ryan in no. another stadium never but I haven't seen it have you seen one like this N anywhere nothing no nothing like it uh, so why why does USC have to do this <laughs> I because don't know. of so huh yeah no because idea because somehow they figured out that they'll make more money with the sweet areas and that than they will with the regular people who pay below that's the only reason I'm telling you, there's no other reason yeah well, we'll see what happens. Um, this is, you know, the further, like, the further along it goes, the harder it will be to change. And a lot of people say you can't change. They've sold all these suites. You can't really change it. Uh, I know Dan Weber feels you still could. Uh, but this is kind of one of those things that seems like USC wanted to slip by people and the outrage will keep building and building. And, uh, it's just, I, I don't see it ending well. And if no one stops it, you'll have this big, ugly building in the middle of the Coliseum and. 9,000 prime seats gone and a lot of people upset. So I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I'm not sure anything can be. I'm not sure what's going I don't know. I will see. You're hopeful that you'd not see that, uh, come to fruition, but it, it looks like it's gonna at this point. Well, you don't hear anybody at the university commenting on it as far as, uh, like, uh, much, it, it basically the comments have been the way I understand it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the way it's going to be? Uh, and uh, we're sorry, but if you can't uh, adjust, then uh, it's too bad. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, good stuff. Um, a lot of off-season questions. Keep them coming. Podcast at uscfootball.com. We love to uh, talk about Georgia football and any questions you have. Uh, we'd love to, to hear from you, and uh, we do our best to answer them all. And like Coach Harvey, Har Coach Harvey Hyde says, that's just our opinion. Um, and it is. But thanks again, Coach, for coming on. Good stuff. Absolutely. It's just our opinion, and I don't know if some of you have ex experienced the same things that I have. Uh, and I and normally I have it a little bit easier than some of you. At least I have with a parking pass. I don't know if I'll have one any longer after this. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's something that when you ask a question, I want to honestly answer a question. And uh, I want to thank all of you for being a part of our shows. And, Ryan, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Coach. Thanks, and uh, everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Like I said, we're going to try to do a couple more shows this week. Send in your questions for Dan or Gerard, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater.
You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 